You're listening to the Sooner Scooter Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Do us a huge favor. Rate us five stars. Give us a five-star rating and write a review. And in doing so, you'll be eligible to win a Heartland College Sports Podcast koozie. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your rating and your review and email that to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And then you'll have that koozie for your time at the pool, your time at the lake this summer, or maybe you got a day with your wife. I say take that koozie out and show your Heartland College sports pride. Plus, as we always like to say, constructive criticism, definitely welcome here on the Sooner Schooner Show. Coming up today, we'll visit with Ryan McGee from ESPN about OU's transformation from Big 12 fan base to SEC fan base. And there's a little bit of an update on what could happen with the SEC schedule. But first, Javante Barnes, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, at some point this week, you saw the photos of Javante Barnes on a scooter with his right leg wrapped up. The good news is it's nothing too long-term. That is according to all Sooners, and I'm sure those are the words out of Brent Venables' mouth since he was the only one speaking on this. It's nothing long-term. Now, whether he'll actually get to participate in the rest of spring football remains to be seen. Um, It should also be noted that Chapman McCown, a preferred walk-on and Washington transfer, and Mika Megwa, whom I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'll say it one more time wrong for the hell of it, and Mika Megwa was also injured earlier this week. And for OU, the silver lining in that cloud is that you've got more depth, or at least you've got more bodies in the running back room than you have in a very long time. And DeMarco Murray is an extremely happy man about the type of guys that that he has not only in the room, but the type of guys that he can put on the field. Now, he did make a very interesting comment this week saying that he was looking for a starter. And, okay, I I get it. You've got 11 on the field. Somebody has to start. But I've begun to look at running backs the way that I look at NBA players. And with NBA players... For a lot of times, for a lot of times with me, it's a it's less about who starts and more who's getting the minutes. Like, I don't care who starts at running back. I just care about who's getting the carries, who can take the pounding. And for OU, it feels like they're going to be, based on what they're saying and just some of the comments that DeMarco Murray made, is that they want to be a more physical team on offense. We know that that is the case on defense. But what have I always told you, look, if you've listened to this podcast at any time, okay, or for any length of time, you know, especially when it was the Bedlam podcast, I harped on the fact that in order to be a physical defense, you must play complementary football on the offense and be just as physical, which not it doesn't necessarily translate to running the ball But if you're finesse and you spread people out like Lincoln Riley does and like Jeff Levy's known to do, then that's what your offense or that's what your defense goes against every day in practice. And it's hard for them to get physical. Brent Venables understands this. That's why there's a bevy of running backs at OU right now. And you would have to think that a lot of the conversations that Levy and Venables have had over the last few months concern the fact that OU wants to run the rock. So when DeMarco Murray says he's looking for a starter, the way I take it 
I, I look at the word starter and I take starter with a grain of salt. I look at it more as I'm looking for a workhorse. Who is built to tote the rock 30, 40 times per game and take a pounding and when it's late in the game, you don't want to come out. You don't want to get spilled. There's no tap of the helmet. You're sticking in there, and it's your job to finish off the opponent. So who is that guy for OU? Well, most likely you are saying Gavin, Gavin Sawchuck. And certainly with his 15 carries for 100 yards in the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. That is a pretty good – that is a pretty good – answer to say that Gavin Sawchuck is going to be the workhorse. However, if he's healthy, Javante Barnes, who's bigger than Gavin Sawchuck, he's taller. Barnes or Sawchuck's only 5'11, 187 pounds. Barnes is actually six foot two hundred. And that, I mean, if again, if you're looking for a guy to take a pounding, I want a guy that's a little bit bigger, weighs a little bit more, definitely stronger, and is able to to use the endurance and use his physicality to wear down defenses. 5'11", 187, I think of you as, as more of a burner, as more of a guy that once you get through the line, you can turn on the speed and you can outrun everyone. At six foot 200 pounds, I think of you as more that guy that's got a little bit more of a fullback mentality. Or actually, that's probably a bad way to put it, more like an Adrian Peterson mentality where as much as you want to run away and juke people, you want to you want to take them on. You want to be physical, okay? You want to run these cats over. And even if Gavin Sawchuck wants to do that, at 5'11", 187 pounds, you have to worry about the fact that he is going to wear down doing that. So who is that guy? Well, the one guy who's built to take the pounding, I almost feel like is the forgotten guy in the running back room. And yes, I know if you're in your car, you're screaming it. Maybe you're screaming it at your desk. It's Marcus Major. Marcus Major at six foot, 227 pounds may just be the guy that DeMarco Murray is looking for to tote the rock as much as possible this year. And, and if I were to sit here and tell you what my dream offense for OU would look like, and again, this is just my dream. You do not have to share this opinion. You don't have to agree with me. We can go out for a beer, and you can tell me why I'm dead wrong. I take no offense. But I wish OU would adopt more of a mentality for what you're going to see Arkansas do this year. Arkansas is going to be a lot of fun to watch because Arkansas knows that they're going to have to be physical in order to last during their brutal, and I do mean brutal, SEC schedule, which we'll talk about a little bit more in in the second part of, of the show today. But Arkansas is going to go more conventional than what they did when Kendall Bryles was their offensive coordinator. If you don't know, Kendall Bryles no longer at Arkansas. He's going to replace Garrett Riley at TCU because Sonny Dykes doesn't want a whole lot of change. Kendall Bryles and you know Garrett Riley pretty much run the same offense. Terminology may be different, but the goal is the same. And both those cats want to outscore people. Well, when you've got a quarterback, okay, like K.J. Jefferson, who's 6'3", 246 pounds, and then you've got a running back like Rocket Sanders, who's 6'2", 237, yeah, you are going to run the ball. You're going to put that tight end on the line. You're going to run up in too tight. You're going to go under center a lot more than most college teams do today, and you're going to do everything you can to wear teams down 
and keep your defense off the field. And for Arkansas, that's the best plan of attacks. Their defense wasn't very good last year. Of course, with OU, their defense wasn't very good either. And I would love to see OU be a lot more conventional. And part of that reason is, again, to survive the SEC, you're going to have to be a lot more durable than what you have been the last few years. There's your scare. Is Even if OU is good this year, what you have to ask yourself coming out of the season is, is this team built to take on the rigors of the SEC? And the only way we will know that is if OU can run the, board, run the ball a lot more successfully than what they have. And when I say run the ball successfully, I mean grind it out. Have some time-consuming drives. Can the defense get off the field in third and long situations, which has been a major problem for OU's defense? And can the defense just tackle people? Can the defense punish people the way you need to in the Southeastern Conference? All these are nothing more than remains to be seen, but that's what's got to be the goal of this spring is to start preparing you for that and then go out and execute it as best you can in the Big 12 this year. And no, by the end of the season, they're not going to be a finished SEC product. That starts to happen during the spring next year. But this is where the building blocks start for that. And OU has really got to concentrate on that. And defensively, man, I'm looking forward to this watching this Deshaun McCullough guy. The six foot five, two hundred twenty-two pound. Like I'm just giving, I'm just giving you know heights and weights all during, all during the show today. Uh, but this is one of the kids that transferred out of Indiana, and they've got him playing cheetah back, which is a little bit out of. It's a little out of position for him as far as what he did at Indiana last year when he played close to the line. And he's not really used to playing out in space, but he says he's starting to get used to it. Like day by day, he's picking up on more of what Brent Venables wants to do. But with that kind of height and that kind of weight and the speed, to watch this dude fly around and hit people, he may be the most fun thing to watch on the field this year. But then again, I am a defensive guy. I like the violence of football. I'm fed up with the finesse, and I'm fed up with the, um, as my co-host Pat Jones likes to call him, the Star Wars offense. I'm fed up with the spread. It was cool for a while, but like anything else, it fades. It's like new trends in music. Eventually, I just want to go back to hard rock and roll. I just want to go back and listen to Led Zeppelin. I just want to go back and listen to Van Halen and ACDC because the stuff that that comes along now, it's great, but eventually I need to clear, cleanse the palate and, and listening, listen to something that's going to punch you in the face every once in a while. Like, oh, I don't know, Metallica. By the way, new album coming out from them uh, here in a couple of days. All right, actually about a week. You're listening to the Sooner Scooter Show. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, Ryan McGee from ESPN tells us if Sooner fans are ready for the Southeastern Conference. Earlier this week, my co-host Pat Jones and I had the opportunity to talk with Ryan McGee of Marty and McGee on ESPN, and I asked him if OU fans were ready for what the SEC is all about. Yeah, what, what I said is, and I go back to, so I was, I was a student at the University of Tennessee when South Carolina and Arkansas joined the SEC. And I had graduated high school in South Carolina. So I had a ton of friends that were in school in, in South Carolina. And, and I grew up on Tobacco Road. My dad was an ACC referee, and I had been on the road with him in a lot of places. And obviously, I mean, grew up going to Clemson and grew up going to some great venues. But I had no idea. And when I got to Tennessee, and this is in the 90s now, and, and Tennessee would play Mississippi State 
and it was the most intense atmosphere I'd ever been in. And I'm like, I didn't. Why, why do they care so much? And you realize they've been playing against each other hundred years. And you know, and Jackie Sherrill's at Mississippi State, and Coach Majors is at, um, you know, is it and, and, and is at Tennessee, and they go way back, and there's just an intensity level. And I just I, what I told my friends in South Carolina, and this is what I would say to to Texas and Oklahoma fans is, it just never lets up. And and it's not just the competition, but it's also it's just the atmosphere. I mean, every game feels like the, the, one of the biggest games on your schedule. I'm not saying every week's going to feel like you know Dallas, but I, but but it's pretty close. And especially this first couple of go arounds when Texas and Oklahoma are going into these places for the first time, and when they're hosting an LSU or an Alabama or a Tennessee or whoever, it's just you know Oklahoma fans got a taste of it when they went to Neyland Stadium. With Baker Mayfield and Tennessee wasn't that good back then, and so it's it, that's what I would say. It, it is so fun, but it's exhausting. And the coaches will tell you that. You know, Brian Harson will tell you. You know, he just didn't understand every single week at Auburn, no matter who they were playing, was just bonkers. And so it's hard to explain until you get into it. But it's uh, but it's pretty great. And, and listen, I don't care what anyone does. I just want them to protect Bedlam. That's how. Honestly, I'm, I'm a rivalry guy. Long, long as somebody somewhere figures out a way to protect Bedlam. If you can get that plus all this other stuff I'm talking about, man, it's going to be hard to beat that as a Sooners fan. First of all, yes, I still disagree with Ryan. Bedlam does not need to be played in football. It's no advantage to OU or OSU. And the only reason anybody in Stillwater would want to continue Bedlam is because they know that's one of the few games that Oklahoma State can sell out every year. Even if OSU is good in the Big 12, they'll still struggle to sell it out, so they got to climb on OU's back. There's no reason to play it. There's no advantage for OU and for Oklahoma State. Even though you're selling out games, the last thing you want to do is lose more often than you win. But as far as OU being able to handle the Big 12, it was a very telling comment about how every week is going to feel like Texas. And if not exactly like Texas, pretty damn close to it. If you want a great example of what the SEC schedule is like and how brutal it is, and I can sit here and tell you, look, Arkansas this year, Arkansas this year plays a back-to-back-to-back that it starts with LSU and ends with Ole Miss. And in between, you've got dates with A&M and Alabama. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. That is the equivalent of going back to 2000 when OU had to run through Texas, K-State, and Nebraska. Imagine every month feeling like you're playing that Texas team, K-State, and Nebraska. Welcome to the Southeastern Conference. And what that does for OU, one, it changes your mentality. Because if Brent Venables, we don't know if Brent Venables is ready for this. The ACC wasn't like the SEC. And the Big 12, especially lately, wasn't or isn't like the SEC. So you don't know how Brent Venables is going to react to this. And it does change Joe Castiglione's mentality a little bit in the fact that if Brent Venables doesn't work out, you probably can't go high, hire another hot assistant and think that that is going to jumpstart your program. Certainly you can't elevate within. OU fans won't let you do that. The Board of Regents, check writers, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to go out and find a whole new staff starting with a brand new head coach from outside the program. That head coach is going, they are, people are going to demand that that head coach has skins on the wall, which has never really worked out to OU's advantage in its history. 
It's more worked out to OU's advantage when you've either elevated guys or hired assistants from outside the program. But the SEC is going to change that mentality for Joe Castiglione. It, 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 ha- it absolutely has to. For fans, I think what's, what's kind of funny for fans is if you didn't get a dose of Ole Miss fan back in 1999 at the Independence Bowl, which they're pretty typical SEC fans. Fans, They're loud. They're obnoxious. Sometimes they're fun to be around. More oftentimes they're not because they just want to tell you how much better their team is than you and say nasty things about you. If you didn't get that in 99, you certainly got a dose of it in 2003 when OU went out to the Sugar Bowl and, and played LSU. And you got it this last time OU played LSU. Although you're probably a little bit better prepared for it. Okay, that's the way it's going to be every week. That that's how it is. You're going to think that every single fan base is rude. Although uh, Tennessee fans, Tennessee fans were really rude in Knoxville. At least not to me. They would tell me where to go. They tell, and I don't mean to hell. Uh, they would tell me you know, what places I need to check out. They would offer me drinks, and we could have conversations while they were tailgating and talk about how good Tennessee was versus how Oklahoma was and how big game it was. They were actually pretty cool. And not all fan bases in the in the SEC are all rude. And heck, not every fan who's a member of every fan base in the SEC is rude. But the stadium's bigger, noisier, tailgating is on 11 the entire time. And we just got to gear up for it, okay? This is everything, everything about making this transition is going to be much easier to accept if you're in your 20s. And anybody in their 20s, you can accept this change. It'll take a while to get used to, but you'll essentially you'll grow up with it. My age, a little bit younger, this may be hard to accept for a while because it's a complete change of culture from everything you know, both on the field and off. And we've talked about that a lot. But, you know, Ryan McGee thinks you're ready for it. Let's find out. Let's find out, Sooner fans, are you ready for that transformation. And as far as the SEC scheduling goes, USA Today put out a list of rivalries they think will ultimately survive once the SEC decides what they're going to do. And there's still some some debate about whether or not it's going to be an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule. And from what you can tell with how the, the, the playoff committee looks at things, the SEC is going to be better off playing a nine-game than an eight-game schedule. So that means three permanent opponents. Well, some of the rivalries that will survive, according to USA Today, will be, as you guessed it, Alabama-Auburn. And poor Alabama, because essentially their three teams are set. It's Alabama-Auburn. They believe Alabama-Tennessee will survive the the realignment. And they also believe that Alabama-LSU will survive the realignment. So congratulations to Alabama. You're going to play Auburn, an up-and-coming Tennessee program, and LSU every year. Good luck. Georgia, Florida was on that list. Auburn, Georgia was on that list. Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina didn't have a rivalry that USA Today thought would be worth saving. And Oklahoma obviously only had one, Texas. So what does that mean for Oklahoma if you're getting three permanent opponents? Well, the smart bet is to think that both Texas and Missouri will be on OU schedule. That's the smart bet. After that, It would be wise if the SEC would pair up Oklahoma and Arkansas every year. Even if Arkansas doesn't want it, 
and Arkansas, for whatever reason, has their issues with OU, the justification you make here is it's an easy place to travel for both fan bases. You, If you're a fan, you can go to, to Fayetteville pretty easily if you live in Norman or anywhere in Oklahoma, especially in green country. If you're from Arkansas, you can make the trip to Norman a lot easier. So why wouldn't you want to keep it as regional as possible? Save a little gas, save a little bit more on airfare and hotel. You wouldn't have to stay in each place as long. Why not embrace the OU game? Because no one, look, Arkansas Ole Miss is a rivalry, and there are people that want to preserve that. Still don't understand Arkansas's infatuation with LSU, whatever. I've talked that to death. But it'll be Texas, it'll be Missouri, and we're just waiting on a third. And if not Arkansas, Mississippi State's come up. A&M has been mentioned. Not sure what A&M thinks because we know that A&M wants to play LSU and they want to play Texas. And there's been some talk that they want to continue to play Ole Miss as well. There's a lot to iron out between now and, between now and the time that OU gets into the SEC and the meetings start on May the 30th. Okay, there's the date to put down in your book, May the 30th, and that's when we'll maybe start to see the formation of what the new Southeastern Conference looks like. That wraps up this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, rate us five stars, write a review. Rate us five stars and write us a review. Take a screenshot of that. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Email it to that, and you'll be eligible to win that Heartland College Sports koozie. I'm Eric G. saying thank you very much for listening. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Boot always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner.